everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Attendance Bias. I am your host, Brian Weinstein. In the film Almost Famous, which I'm guessing is a favorite among many Fish fans, there's a scene toward the very beginning when the hero, William Miller, his older sister, leaves home and secretly donates her extensive record collection to her younger brother, William. He sorts through them and settles on the Who's Tommy, and he plays Sparks on the record player. As the music fills the soundtrack, the scene is the literal transition of the character from being an immature young wallflower into a young man with a solid musical taste and a sure sense of what he was put on this earth to do. While today's guest is not Cameron Crowe, that scene from my favorite movie came to mind more than once as we spoke. Today's guest is A.J. Masco, and he chose to speak about Fish's performance of Down With Disease into While My Guitar Gently Weeps from July 15th, 2000 at the Polaris Amphitheater. At the time, A.J. was not exactly brand new to Fish, but he was still in his honeymoon period where every new discovery about the band takes you back somewhere to your classic rock phase that you cherish and love for so many years. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then don't worry, you'll still be able to appreciate today's conversation. On top of that, AJ and I, I think, also captured the feeling of late 1.0. The layered ambient music, the exploding population of the scene, the dangers at the edges, and the post-Cypress glow of the entire Fish experience. Even though we didn't see many of the same shows or tours, AJ and I seemed to have a similar feeling around the time of Y2K, and this conversation was a true pleasure to match up. So let's join AJ to talk about 11-Minute Jams, the need for more late 1.0 soundboards, and godlike Ferris wheels, as we discuss Down With Disease into While My Guitar Gently Weeps from July 15th, 2000 at the Polaris Amphitheater. AJ, welcome to Attendance Bias. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Brian. It's so nice to be with you. Um, I'm a big fan of your show. There's so much uh, good fish stuff out there these <laughs> days, and I love your angle on it. And I also wanted to um, I wanted to say something right off the, the top. The first Attendance Bias I, uh, bias I listened to was, got to be two years ago now, would be the, the Nashville Weekapog episode. Right, right. And you uh, you spoke really uh, candidly about how, um, you know, you were going through a breakup at that time and talking about finding joy and fish and all that stuff. And as I was listening to that two years ago, I was uh, uh, going through a similar experience. And, uh, you know, it, it it just hit me at just the right time. So much so I, I sent you a note and I said, hey, that really landed for me. And you could have written back, hey, cool, thanks for listening. Uh, but instead, you wrote a really thoughtful note back to me, and you include some advice about taking care of myself. And uh, over the last two years, you know, I've taken that advice to heart, and it's been really helpful to me. So to be a, you know, it's awesome to be a guest on your show and be able to say thank you. So, yeah, it means right. a lot. Yeah, well, what you just said then means the world to me, because uh, when you started speaking about that, I know I recorded like a mini episode basically at the time yeah. when I was just getting the podcast started. That was one of the most important fish moments of my life for sure, where something personal that was going on in my life was blended with my fish experience. And it kind of raised my, um, I don't know, raised my consciousness. I don't know if that's true, but something like that to another level. And I just remember when I got, I was there kind of halfway by myself. I met up with a friend a little bit later. This is August 4th, 2015. And I got there early and I sat down next to a guy and sit next to your neighbor at a fish show chatter. And I mentioned that I was just coming off a divorce. And he, the first thing he said was, oh, congratulations. And no (laughs) no one thus far, my divorce was in March of that year. So it had been almost six months and everyone was in their best nature saying, oh, I'm so sorry. Like that kind of response. And to hear someone, a complete stranger go, oh, congratulations. Like in a celebratory way, it was just, it changed my whole mindset. And the fact that they jammed so well that night. And like, like you brought up the, uh, the week of that just turned into this like heavy metal black Sabbath jam. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and uh, yeah, and your episode, you know, changed my mindset. So, uh, you know, the, as we so often talk about with the fish, the, the sort of ripple effect and all that stuff, but, um, yeah, but thank you. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you. And thank you for being here today to talk about a jam that is 15 years removed almost from 
the that week that Nashville show, you're here to talk about down with disease into while my guitar gently weeps from July 15th, 2000 at the Polaris Amphitheater in Columbus, uh, a venue that I've never been to. And you are one of the few guests who has chosen anything from 2000. I was just saying the other day to an interviewee that a lot of people on this show choose jams or shows from the summer of 99. But Mm -hmm. the end of 1.0, and I'll just define that as the year of 2000, seems to get overlooked by a lot of people, and I don't know why. So I'm really excited to hear your perspective and the reason that you picked this specific jam of Down With Disease into While My Guitar Gently Weeps from Polaris. Uh, But first, before we dig into that, let's dig into you as a fan with the Attendance Bias Lightning Round. Attendance Bias Lightning Round. AJ, when was your first Fish show and what do you remember from it? Uh, my first fish show was uh, twelve three ninety nine. It was in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I had uh, met a young lady. I was a college student at the time, and she had been to, I believe, Oswego, and she had been to Polaris ninety nine. Where you can fact check me on this, but I think that's where Trey announced uh, Big Cypress. Yeah, I don't have to fact check. I know that you're right. You know, about that. Hey, all right, cool. Uh, so she was, uh, she was all hyped on fish, and uh, I, you know, I had uh, there were some people in high school a good friend of mine who had done his best to get me into fish i never i never i wish i had i would have gone to a lot of good shows i would have been to msg in 97 with him <laughs> stuff like that but uh when it was 99 the time was right and she said hey you want to come down to cincinnati with me and we were in school outside columbus ohio we made the trip down we drove down uh it was it was crowded I remember the lot was crowded, lots of people, you know, um, and, and it was, uh, you know, it was very tight. We're kind of walking around and I just, I just remember, you know, emotion. I just remember the feeling of anticipation and it just built and built and built and built over the course of, of the afternoon as we got down there and all these new experiences, all these new sights and sounds. But, you know, by the time we got to our seats, I was just like this, you know, I was almost, I was a little bit apprehensive at that point. I was like, is this, <laughs> did I make a good, did I make a good decision here? Is this going to go? <laughs> yeah. I remember the people around me were just, just so kind, just unfailingly kind when they found out it was my first show. Hey man, like, that's awesome. And, you know, they were saying, uh, you know, what do you want to hear? And I knew enough to stay bouncing around the room. I knew enough at that time. That was the noob song. And I was, I knew enough to be like, I want to hear bouncing. And they're like, all right. When the lights went down, they started playing first two. And right off the bat, I was like, this is good. Yeah, I like this. This is good. Uh, they opened the show with first two? Or opened the show with first two. That's right. Which they did more often back then. Now it's kind of like a set closer encore thing. But if you look at the set list, first two often have sort of appeared as a show opener or like a first set. They still do it these days, but it's, it's less uh, common. But yeah, so they played first tube, they played, then they played Wolfman's Brother was the second tune, and then they played Bounce in the third one. I got a couple of high fives. I felt pretty good. <laughs> hey, you got your bounce. Yeah. Um, I think it all came together in the second set. The the hood in the second set, you know, I just remember that, you know, it was in sort of like a like a like a basketball arena style thing. Is that what you what what is or recently called the f- U.S. Bank Arena. Yes, right. Okay. Right then, it was the First Star, I think, Arena or something. Right, like, right. Whatever. Yeah, exactly. Right. So that was. Um, so I just remember it. Just you know, the hood kicked in. It kind of got slow, and then I saw from the opposite side, from like the rafters up there, like one glow stick kind of come down, and then it, that turned into five. That turned into ten. That turned into twenty, and all of a sudden, the whole floor was just alive. And I mean, it was it was just a, it was a you know sort of a blissful experience. But that was, you know, that was my first show. It was a, it was, it was a good one. The next night was twelve four. They played a really good melt that people like these days. That Cincy melt uh, from from twelve four, and then it was on to Big Cypress for my third and fourth show. So wow, baptism by fire. Yeah, yeah. You came in at a good time. <laughs> yeah, it came in hot. Yep, exactly. Well, yeah. what was your most recent show, and what did you think of that? My re- most recent show was one that, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you attended too. It was 8722 in Atlantic City. Yes. Yeah, but I was there. Atlantic City. You know, I heard you on another podcast talking about it, and you said the third night was your least favorite of the three. And I was like, whoa, those first two nights must have been awesome because I thought <laughs> third night was really good. I was the only one I saw of the of the three. It was So I only went to the one night. But it was fun. It was, um, I loved the, the, the tube and the Karini in the first set. I like the wave of hope and the yem and that post you know everybody's talking about this but that yeah. the post vocal jam jam which is like wow they yeah 
That was um, my highlight of that whole night. I thought that yeah, was the best abs- part. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing I remember is we, I'm in my forties and uh, my buddy and I, you know, sat down and we're around some young dudes, you know, and I was like, uh, how's this going to go? You know, like uh, they turned out just to be the, the coolest guys, totally into the music, you know, sort of restore your faith in humanity. One of the kids, you know, we're just talking before the show. He's got to be 22 or something like that. He said, when was your first show? And I said, uh, I was in, it was in, uh, 99 it was 12 399 and he said oh man I, I love talking to uh guys who saw 1.0 shows forever ago forever <laughs> so, ago huh? so i'm like ah yes my youth was forever ago yeah thank you very much <laughs> and it's even worse when you figure that if he was in his earlier mid-20s that you were his age in 2.0 so you had already you know forever ago was already one already yeah away. exactly he hadn't been born yeah <laughs> But no, it was a good show, um, and I think they're you know I think they're playing, they're playing really well. Um, I think that they're you know again a lot of people commented on this, but they can kind of get to get to that spot a little quicker sometimes, and you know depends depending on your mood. Sometimes yeah. that that could be good. Sometimes I want them to take their time and not get there right away, but other times it's like whoa, they're just firing all, on all cylinders. It's been like seven minutes and they're just going so. Yeah. And I think I see that with a lot of their newer songs. You mentioned A Wave of Hope, songs like Soul Planet. Sure. There's not a lot of search. Nah, it's done. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. when you look at it on like the live fish timings or whoever you go to for the timings of the song, a song that's 11 minutes might be the jam of the night. And that, you know, Easily. people who set the the song length or the track length as the kind of um, metric for how good the song was, they're missing the point at in 2022. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that I think that the the 20 minute thing is a little bit arbitrary now. You know, it's just yep. kind of a it's a point. I mean, you know, you can make the argument. You say, well, there's there's more jamming. There's more opportunity for good stuff. Right. A longer song. But that's like you said, it kind of falls apart when you're you're seeing these like 11, 12 minute songs that are just killing it. What is the farthest you've ever traveled to see fish? Uh, the aforementioned big Cypress trip, we gathered in Philly, couple cars, three, couple, three cars. And we drove down. I had to, I had to Google it, but it's like about 1100 miles from Philly to, to big Cypress. We got in there pretty, um, you hear people talking about the crazy traffic getting in, but we uncharacteristically, we planned ahead and we left early (laughs) and we got, we got down there. Um, you know, I feel like we were only waiting stopped on alligator alley for a few hours I mean, two or three hours. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot. So we're the first kind of wave to get in there. And um, so that was quite a, that was quite an adventure, quite a road trip. Well, you just said you left from Philly, but would I be wrong to assume that you originally, when you're growing up and even in college that you're from Ohio or am I wrong on that? No, I went to school in Ohio. I'm from Philly. Oh, okay. So from Philly, I was in Ohio. We were back cause it was over break. Got so, it. December, yeah, exactly. right? So yeah, exactly. So we came down, I had a friend, who lived in Michigan. So he drove from Michigan, like outside Detroit to Philly to get us. And then, so if you asked him that question, it would probably be, it would be longer than mine, but yeah, no, sure. but I'm from, I'm from outside Philly. Yeah. When you go to a show in a group amongst your friends, what role do you play among them? Are you the guy who everyone has to look out for because you might stay in the lot for two hours after everyone's left? Are you, are you the guy who, tries to get there super early. Are you the guy who, you know, who has something in every pocket to give out to everyone else? Who are you? <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not, I'm definitely not the stay in the lot late guy. Like that's no. Uh, I roll with a, with a kind of a three man crew. My buddy PJ, who his first show was Coventry. God bless him. He stuck with it, but I started seeing shows <laughs> uh, with him in um, 3.0 just as, you know, stand up dude, um, really reliable. My other buddy, Matt, I, I took him to his first show at the man 2016 first night. And, you know, talk about a guy who just gets it, you know, like some people just get it. He like did this homework. He kind of like, you know, absorbs everything. Now he's fact checking me on fish, which is awesome. <laughs> but I'm kind of the old, I'm kind of the old head in the group. I'm a little bit, just I have a few years on those guys. Um, I saw them in 1.0. I, you know, did Cyprus. I'm not, you know, I have a pretty good mind for, for dates and stats, it's, I'm not like, you know, Steinberg level, but uh, no one is. He is no, singular. No one is. 
Right, exactly. But you know, if if something happens during the show, I can usually put in some sort of context. I say, "Oh, okay, this is you know, this is where this fits in to the the bigger fish picture." So I'm kind of that, and I like I like uh, when um, you know people come to shows, kind of showing them around, you know, that sort of thing. But I also like getting in. I get in. I have a whole system, you know. I'm on the like I go in at a certain time. If I'm on the lawn, I'm in a certain place. I just I, I why if you know how you enjoy watching a show, why not do that? I figured out, I've done it enough. I'm like, this is what I like to do. Let's go do that. So, and I'm lucky because my, 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 uh, my buddies are pretty on board with that. So when I ask this, it, it, it's meant with love. Cause I recognize myself in that answer. Do you have like a ton of neuroses going to a fish show? Um, yeah, I have habits. I have habits that make me feel comfortable. Is that in there? Yeah, well, no, that's what I really like. Yeah. You, as a, like, if you yes. said you when the ticket time and you you like to get in at a certain time, are you yes. starting to check your watch more and more frequently yes. as that time approaches? And I'm the one. Like, I'm right, the one. Guys, we got to go. I'm the one. I'm that guy. Yep. Also, this has been this was really weird for me this, this past tour because there's no paper tickets. There's, there's right. So I have, we have, as a running joke with me, you know, like I'll go, I'll go ticket check and everybody, wherever the ticket is, they just put their hand like on their, you know, in their, if it's in their wallet, they put their hand on their wallet. If it's in their pocket, I have a pocket that I, like the ticket goes in, in this pocket, you know? And now this time it was just like ticket check and we all kind of like look at our phone. <laughs> and I've, I've got my phone with me, you know? So that's, that was the ticket. Check. What is your most controversial fish opinion? Well, for the purposes of this show, my most controversial p- fish opinion is the I'm not a big fan of Glide and uh, Esther. All right. Well, thanks for coming. I know. I was going to (laughs) say, this has been fun. (laughs) We'll fight about it later. Um, And I, and you know, Esther is a top song of mine. I've heard you kind of be like Esther. Yeah. I'm a little, I'm a little iffy on Esther. Love it. Love it. Um, I was going to say, I was thinking about a couple things, but like, you know, I'm one of those guys who's like the newer sort of, I don't know soul planet the song soul songs or whatever are kind of i'm not my thing uh but i would say everything's right from sigma oasis might be their best uh studio track it might be it, it's a it's a contender for me because i don't think i've heard anything that really approaches what they would do with the song live uh as well as as that one does I, you know I mean, it has some stiff competition. I'm not saying it's number one, but it's it's up there for me. And for me to say that about a, you know, a newer tune like that, I'm I'm lukewarm on everything's right as a song. But I yeah. mean, that particular ver- you know version is like, oh wow, this is they actually you know approximated something they might do live uh, uh, in the studio. So I don't know if how controversial that is, but. Well, I, it's something that I haven't heard before. I think, well, yeah, I think Sigma Oasis, and I've said this before, is underrated as an album. I think, I mean, one reason because it was during the pandemic, so there wasn't a lot of tour, right, or any tour to support it yet. Uh, right. But I, when I was listening to it over and over and over again, because there was literally nothing else to do but walk around my neighborhood at the time, uh, it was. I think it's probably. I think it, I'll say it. I'll add my controversial fish opinion. I think it's their best studio recording. I think it's up there. I think it's up there. I like, I still like Junta. I still. Well, just, yeah, the songs I'll, I think I'll, are better I'll, on I'll other. Yeah, exactly. The song, exactly. But the way it's put together. Yeah. I, I, I'm honestly, I find it hard to disagree with you. I mean, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> right. Maybe right after we, we stop we get recording. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the weirdest thing you've ever seen at a fish show? So the weirdest thing I've seen at a fish show at Big Cypress during, you know, the set, the midnight set, I uh, wandered back uh, away from the stage, back towards the sort of concessions and porta potties and uh, over towards the Ferris wheel. And there was a uh, a gentleman, uh, he was on the ground, he was on his knees and he had his arms in the air and he had evidently decided that the ferris wheel was his uh was his deity was his was his god <laughs> and he was saying uh you know it's so beautiful look at it it's so you know so i was you know we're standing there watching and uh at some point i think he um he thought that the the way to to worship his his uh, ferris wheel god would be to climb it oh so he stood up and he ran full speed towards the ferris wheel and they had one of those little 
sort of low metal little metal gates surrounding. Right, like at a carnival, you mean? Like at a carnival, right, about yeah. waist high. He runs full speed into it, flips over it, and then, which attracted the attention of some security nearby. And then he ran up the ramp past the people waiting to get on the Ferris wheel and grabbed one of the little carriages as it was going up. And he was actually lifted, I don't know, like maybe three feet off the ground as he's hanging in front of this thing. The quick thinking security converges and pulls him off this thing and then sort of drags him away. And uh, he gave him a good, uh, good struggle. He was, a, he was a thin little guy, but he, he was like, he was whole, four or five security guys were having a hard time uh, holding him down. But that was pretty weird. That, that qualifies as weird in my book. When was this show played? So today's jam, Down With Disease, Into While My Guitar Gently Weeps, from July 15th, 2000 at Polaris. Obviously, it was at the summer of 2000 tour, but it was toward the end of the summer 2000 tour. And that tour overall, just to telescope out, consisted of only 20 shows. It started in the Southeast in mid-June with, um, there were shows in Tennessee, Atlanta, for example, and then it moved up the Northeast for shows in regular spots like Homedale, Hartford, Camden, you know, typical summer tour stops. And then cuts west in Burgettstown, Deer Creek, today's show in Columbus, which closed the whole tour. Um, I didn't see any shows on this tour. I was working at a summer camp in Massachusetts. I think it was my last summer working there after like 10 years or something. But that was when they had just gotten like internet access, like fairly new. So I was every morning, whenever I had like off time, the first thing I would do is go to this, I'm using this in quotes, computer lab. There were like three computers. Right. (laughs) You know, the whole point of summer camp. I even found out now as a middle school teacher, when a lot of my students go to sleepaway camp, they're not allowed to have their phones or they get like limited phone time. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, a half hour a day or something, because that's one of the whole purposes. I was not buying. I needed to know what was going on with Fish Tour. Um, (laughs) So I didn't see any shows this tour. I had to wait till about a month from this. Um, I saw one show at Darien Lake in September. That was part of their fall tour. Uh, Yeah, relevant later to the story, but um, I was at the last five shows of the summer 2000 tour. So that includes all three shows at Deer Creek, 7, 10, 11, 12, and then the last two shows at Columbus. And set list wise, this shore ostensibly was to promote farmhouse. Fish never goes on a tour where they say like the farmhouse tour or the Sigma Oasis tour, like a lot of mainstream acts do. They don't do it that way. But if you look at the set lists, this was the farmhouse tour where uh, the album itself was released on May 16th. So about a month before the tour began, but all the set lists were filled with Songs like Back on the Train, Got a Jabu, First Tube, Heavy Things, Bug. It was all over the place. You know, if you went to a show during this tour, almost a guarantee you would hear at least one of those songs, probably more than one at which any work- given point. Yeah, which works out great for me because I like a lot of those songs and I, I enjoy hearing them live. But I think, you know, just contextually, you have to remember like the summer 2004 is still basking in the reflected light of Big Cypress. And if you think yeah. even though those songs hadn't been released at the time Big Cypress happened, right, officially, like the album wasn't out when Big Cypress happened. I mean, you just think about uh, heavy things. That was the cheesecake broadcast. Yeah. That was huge. The twist, the sand, the piper, you know, all that stuff just was huge. So, you know, when we're hearing them over summer 2000, you know, especially those of us who were at Big Cypress, but, you know, even people who weren't there, but had just heard, you know, the tapes by then, you know, they knew that the, there were some just huge versions of these farmhouse tunes that, that were played then. And then subsequently, you know, throughout, through the release and then throughout the rest of the summer and fall too. Right. And songs like Twist had been around since 97. There you so go. That yeah. wasn't new. Isn't it weird how like some songs that you, you pin them to a certain time? Cause I, of course, like Twist, I'm like, oh, Pin it to farmhouse, but then you look back at how early they got played. I think Gaiute's like that too. Gaiute like, debuted it, in '94. Like, yeah, exactly. And I'm like, it's such a ghost. Like to me, it's like such a like five, four or five years later song. And I, I'm, when I hear it, when I look at a set list or I hear, I'm listening to a show. I hear Gaiute, and it's like '94, '95. I'm like, oh, it seems out of out of time for me somehow. I'm not sure. And isn't so? We spoke about Sigma Oasis just a minute ago. Steam was recorded on Sigma Oasis, right? That debuted in like 2011 
Wow, was it that early? Yeah, well, that was it was at least the New Year's show. It was the right, 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 right. Good point. Yeah, I was gonna say thirteen. You got me. Yeah, that's right. Socially on this tour, the summer of two thousand, I remember not being there, but kind of viewing it from the outside, looking in, that the scene was absolutely exploding, and not just the number of people there but also just the noise kind of like the ambient noise of being in the lot at any given time. Like the band was playing all these enormous sheds. We just listed a few places like deer Creek or Burgettstown and Polaris is a shed, right? I've never been there. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it is no longer a thing now. It oh, doesn't okay. exist anymore, but yes, if you picture a sort of your typical shed, that's, you know, you got the lawn, you got the seats. It's, it's yeah, pretty close. So the band was playing all of these, these uh, venues that any huge mainstream summer tour act would also play four years ago, they were playing places like the beacon theater in New York city. Like they went from something, a place that had maybe 4,500 or at most 7,000 capacity theaters to now places that are upwards of 20,000. So this enormous boom in popularity, uh, even multi-night runs, you just said at deer Creek, you know, one wouldn't be enough. They had to play. What did you say? Three shows that summer? three shows that summer and they were all packed. I mean, I don't have the ticket sales numbers, but it wouldn't shock me if they were, they were sold out, but it, yeah, there was a lot of people. Those lawns were just packed lawns. It's not like you could go, you know, halfway up and find a whole lot of space. I mean, I wasn't, wasn't a, a problem, you know, it was great, but it was, but yeah, they were very, very packed shows. And, you know, I don't have the, I didn't have the, since 99 was my first year, you know, I don't have the, um, perspective of of smaller fish was always the live experience was always big to me right bigger bigger than when i started than maybe even some shows i go to now in terms of population or uh, in terms of capacity or whatever i would agree with that because a lot of people who were there then at our age are now at our age um have other one would argue more important commitments on a wednesday night in in july you know who knows Yeah, and but because I wasn't there, I don't have my hands completely around the zeitgeist of fish during this summer 2000 tour. So I went on a a message board that I frequently post on that centers around fish, and I just asked some people who post on there, "Could someone give me your memories of the summer of 2000?" I won't read them all, but here's one or two. One person wrote, "Quote: Big crowds. It was more obviously sketchy characters populating the lots." and a bit more menace and edge in the air than a couple years earlier. The performances I saw were high caliber, purposeful, and fun as hell. The rapid explosion of Fish's popularity in the back half of the 90s must have introduced challenges and stress that none of these, quote, four guys could be prepared to handle. The scrappy, dorky little band that could from Vermont was big business now, and I don't think that chess was the main backstage pastime any longer. I think that's pretty on point. It sounds right, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't argue with that. Again, I, you know, for me, I didn't n- notice a, s- a sketch element. Oh, I, I couldn't differentiate it from. You know, I didn't have anything to compare it to. Oh, I did. Um, I, I mean, I didn't yes. go to a ton of shows. Like, there's <laughs> yeah. not a huge title shift from, let's say, '97 to 2000. Like, they were yeah. already in '97, sung at Madison Square Garden, for sure, example. Yeah. But the crowd did look a little grimier a little yeah, bit more gritty. people there for the yeah. party than the music yeah 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 i know you know i i probably got that vibe but i was sort of in the bubble in the new guy bubble at right. this point the honeymoon period the honeymoon period i mean these were i saw i caught the very tail end of one point right so i saw nine shows altogether. um and so you know and they were all kind of you know and maybe it's a little bit of you know rose colored glasses looking back at it but there was a lot of stuff that I, you know, I so wrapped up in, in, in my own experience and, and, um, you know, but, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that that's a, that's sounds right. sounds accurate. And I want to get your take on one more quote. Uh, this is more about the music than, okay. than the scene necessarily. Uh, this is from someone else who posted to that question on the message board quote, every show still had magic. The band had obviously worked extensively in fall in December 99 to open up everything in preparation for the set at Cyprus that carried over into 2000, but with the less direction Trey was in full Jedi mode at this point, And that kind of became grading just play giant layered soundscapes were in every show 
Jams like Cross-Eyed and Drowned and even Tweezer and Down With Disease often veered off into full band exploration with zero to little machine gun. And then this person goes on to talk about the drugs that were on lot. But this person is talking about soundscapes and layers. Mm-hmm. Were you aware of that aspect or were you just still kind of in your bubble? Well, I think at the time, not as much because it's just what I what, what Fish was to me. But as, as time has progressed, I can kind of get a little bit more... Um, perspective on that and you know as we talk about the the show and the jam you know we'll talk about that sort of sort of layering and and that sort of soundscape is that sort of 99 2000 thing is it my absolute favorite kind of jamming maybe not am i very comfortable in that space yeah because that's what they were doing when i when i got in so they can you know, they can get a little bit repetitive for me. They can get a lot, a little bit ambient. They can get, they can start layering those sounds. And the question for me is how does it pay off? You know, does it pay off with a nice big, a big peak? I mean, you can think of just like some of those, that, that nine, nine stuff. If you want to go, you know, even something like the, um, you know, Cambridge hawk dust or something like that, where it kind of starts like that in that, in that sort of layery way, and then gets to this like beautiful, like, like place, or does it uh, end in like a killer segue or does it just kind of peter out, which they also did. in yeah. A lot of the time they did that. It it happens. It just kind of like, and then they play heavy things. Exactly. Right. And then they go, right. So, you know, so I'm, I'm super okay with that. You know, I don't, have a, a big problem with that. I, my, my question is, what do they do with it? You know, and, right. you know, and I, I could see for some people's taste, you know, they're okay. It's a little bit boring. It's a little bit repetitive. It's kind of going on and on in, in one groove, but you know, if they lock into that these days, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Like I'm, 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 I'm smiling. So. Well, let's uh, yeah. wrap it up here in the summer okay. of 2000, who were you, what were you going through? And then why do you have attendance bias toward this specific jam? In the summer of 2000, I was a 20-year-old. I was in college. You know, life at home was 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 great, but uh, there wasn't a whole lot of adventure there. So going off to college is sort of an adventure in itself. Um, I was looking for more of that. I was looking for, uh, you know, the, the freedom. And uh, I was looking for, you know, something that was going to surprise me, something that was going to delight me. And those are the two words that I kind of go back to with fish. Like a, a good fish show surprises me and delights me. And that's sort of what, you know, fish became a big a big part of that for me. So I was kind of a seeker. I was kind of out there. I was like looking for new things, looking to meet new people. And when you have this, um, this sort of ready-made carnival coming to town, you know, that, that was, that fit in perfectly for me. That was, that's what I was looking for. And, and, and the music was so good at that point. I mean, <laughs> so good. It wasn't unlike anything else I had ever heard. And so it was, you know, you had a combination of, of the scene and the people and the, the sensory experience, but then you also had the, this, this just amazing music that, you know, was so, so powerful and so surprising and all that stuff, which kind of takes me to the, the reason for the attendance bias in this show, which goes back a little bit towards my early years of music appreciation because my my parents were you know they had good music taste but they never pushed anything on me they just kind of let me find my own thing and so when i you know we're back in you know the late 80s early 90s i'm 10 11 12 years old i was listening to what was on the radio right so i was listening to hair metal right <laughs> like bon jovi and molly crew and guns and roses and pop music or you know, whatever was on the radio at the time and you know, they kind of creeped in like Smashing Pumpkins, you know, early 90s stuff. The also the other thing you need to know is that my my family was always like three or five years behind in technology. Like we were just like <laughs> late on everything. We we're like the last people I know with like rotary phones. <laughs> we had like a VCR forever, you know, that sort of thing. Um, and we had a stereo. We had, a rec- you know, played records for a really long time. And I think it was like 1990 before we got you know, everybody had a CD player, like three, uh, three, four years before that. Finally, you know, we packed up the stereo, we put it in the attic and we had like a right, little, can't like, throw it out. Of course. No, not. no, no. It's going up in the attic. So we had a, you know, we had a boom box <laughs> with, you know, and we, now we had a CD collection and like, it was like, had to be like, like 1990. So, you know, what I remember is I was probably like, I was thir- 13 years old in the summer and it was just me and my dad home. My, uh, my sister, and my mom were like out of the house and it was like summer. I didn't really have anything to do. 
so I was just kind of like walking around. I went upstairs. We had one of those attics where you can kind of pull a Sure. Door down, right? I don't know what it's called either. It's yeah, the, I don't know. The dangler There's a dangler thing. There's yeah. a dangler thing. It opens. Yeah, the There's ladder step, comes out. Steps unfold. Yeah. Yeah, right. And so I went up there and I started kind of poking around and I saw in one corner was the stereo and I saw all these records lined up. And I, you know, I just went and I kind of like, eh, sort of like looking through the records. I ended up pulling three records out there. I didn't recognize them. I didn't know anything about them really. And I just picked him up and I brought him downstairs. And my dad, I remember he was in the kitchen and uh, he said, you know, what are you up to? I said, I was just in the attic looking at the record collection. He said, did you find anything good? And so I, uh, I said, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you, know you tell me. And so I handed him three records uh, and there was a uh, Bob Dylan blood on the tracks. There was a Led Zeppelin two. Check. And then, check. <laughs> yeah, and then there was Beatles white album. I remember it was funny because I remember my dad, he didn't have a big like dramatic reaction, but he kind of like sighed and was just like, uh, I guess we got to get the record player back down. So we did, we got the record player back down and set it up. And that sort of sent me off. You know, I, I know you've talked a lot about that sort of like fish classic rock mm -hmm. you know, thing when they're playing classic rock, you know, that sent me off in a whole new direction, you know, with life. And I just, you know, I got to know those albums so well. And I just like love those albums and I found more stuff and, you know, you know, it, it opened up so much, you know, a whole world as we kind of fast forward. And I know we're going to get into the show and the music in a second pause for one second, because if you remember the second night of Deer Creek 2000 was the Moby Dick show. Of course. Yeah. Off of, Led Zeppelin too. So I'm standing there. They're playing down with disease. You know, this is this new band that I loved so much. See Big Cypress. And I'm, you know, there the second night with all these people. And I could hear and I hear that. And I stopped, you know, the whole crowd obviously would recognize it. But it really, I was like, oh, that's like one of the tunes. That's one of the tunes off that album. And it really hit me uh, really hard. So that's sort of like, you know, anyway, that's part of the the show, but I'm sure like as we as we get into it, we'll we'll talk a little bit more about that. Well, what brought you to this show then? The the or attendance bias for the Down with Disease is the while my guitar gently weeps. Is that why? Because of the white album connection you mentioned earlier? A hundred percent, right? So a few days before we'd gotten I got the uh the Led Zeppelin tune and now we're at the last show of the tour. So we had gone to the three Deer Creek shows, we'd gone to the night before at Polaris, huge rainstorm. Anybody who was there We'll tell you about it. Just massive, massive thunderstorm. They actually started playing. I think they played sample. And then they walked off there like, we, we got to stop. So like it's like it's almost like a one song first set. We go to the, the last night and it's one of, you know, we're, we're, the, we're at all the five of these shows. And they start that disease and it goes out, you know, just goes out uh, pretty quickly. And I can hear at the very tail end that chord progression for while my guitar gently weeps and again it got brought all these feelings rushing back all of these emotions rushing back all this gratitude rushing rushing back to me in that moment and uh being able to share that with all those people who sort of recognize that that segue that killer segue um meant a lot and it was the last show of 1.0 for me too i didn't see them again until 2009 so when I look back, I'm like well that was that that sort of last uh, the last of that that early the early days of uh of fish going for me. Hi, everybody. Brian here to welcome you to the set break of today's episode of Attendance Bias. First, thank you for listening. And second, just a quick reminder to tell you that even though Attendance Bias comes to you for free, it does take a lot of work and it does take quite a bit of money to keep the lights on here at production. So I just wanted to ask a small favor, if you could support the podcast in any number of the following ways, if you could leave a review or a rating of it on whichever podcast app you use, if you could spread the word telling a friend or someone you think may be interested in it about it, or probably the most concrete way is to go to www.buymeacoffee.com slash attendance bias and donate however much you can financially to help with the continuing costs of attendance bias. So thank you again so much for listening, and I hope you enjoy the second half of today's episode. Well, let's break it down. Let's go back and then get there again to that transition. Okay. So Down With Disease opened set two of this show. In five sentences, can you give us just a quick wrap-up of set one? Uh, yeah. 
I there's a bag that goes right into first tube, which I love. Um, again, going back to Big Cypress, when they start playing roses, everybody goes nuts because there was a huge roses at Big Cypress. And you know, it was a competent first set. There's nothing that really jumps out at me. It's like a must listen. But um, I, I feel feel like everything was tight and well played. So down with disease, the tempo when it starts is pretty quick compared to the usual layered nature of the jams this year. To me, when they were playing in these enormous venues in these sheds that I mentioned earlier, if you were on the lawn or at least toward the back of the shed, the reserve seats, a lot of these jams, this was my experience, got lost because of the echo and the literal nature and structure of these venues. There's not a lot of room for subtlety here. And the band's jams were all subtle, but we weren't there. They didn't just go straight into layering with the with this down with disease. It's pretty quick. Like to me, it reminds me the first part of down with disease, pretty dancey and mid nineties down with disease jams. Uh, it's there's a lot of jam rock noodling by Trey, and the rest of the band kind of holds down like they're playing down with disease, and he's kind of searching. Yeah, I feel the same. And I think it's it's very um, sort of Fishman propelled. It seems like mm-hmm. he he's just kind of like holding down the rhythm and, you know, it, it never ceases to amaze me. It didn't then and it didn't now, but like, uh, you know, he's he's just so on point and getting that going. Also, I mean, there's, you know, you mentioned like the way the disease was developing over the, over the course of the year. Right. I mean, you had the big Cypress one and then you had the radio city one and then you had the two from Japan and you had, uh mansfield after this right was that the one that you were at was you at mansfield i know i did not go to mansfield no, okay sorry I, feel, um, I was trying to remember you i went to i went to darien lake but darien they lake. didn't okay. they didn't play down with disease the big jam there was drowned but it's right. in the there same same style though as this down same with disease. yeah exactly yeah so it's just kind of like you know to put in context it was like uh if you're into these kind of uh long you know 20 plus minute diseases 2000 was a was a good year for you and then around seven and a half minutes, the word I chose is things get a little more slippery. They get a little more 2000 is the way mm-hmm. I thought about mm-hmm. it. Uh, it's not as tight anymore. It's a little less rhythmic. It's a little uh, fishman, as you just brought up. He's a little heavier on the cymbals. Trey is still playing really fast and in a really impressive rock and roll way, but it's all in the same kind of high pitch. And this is where I think the first changes this down with disease goes through a lot of segments. It's something like 27 minutes. It's a long jam, but this is the first, uh, the first left turn where he's starting to layer. Like my friends uh, who I posted on that message board, use that word a lot when talking about 2000 page, you could hear just barely is really heavy on the piano. But again, because of this big boomy audience recording, he's a little hard to hear. I totally agree with you. And I think that that, you know, I, I'm I'm not going to make the case that, you know, 99 or 2000 was uh, as good musically as, you know, the, the years that preceded it. But I will say that I think that the lack of high, high quality audience recordings, um, soundboard, you know, they, they were no longer getting soundboard patches, stuff like that. I think it's underrated. I think it's an underrated year. I think more people would be more into, I mean, 2000 specifically, but to a lesser extent, 99, if we had more, you know, high quality audience recordings, but yeah, like you're saying, I mean, the word I use was it becomes a little bit more cacophonous. So instead of being uh, that, that sort of tight in that tight mode at the beginning, you start to see them sort of go off their separate ways a little bit and sort of start to create those layers, start to create those soundscapes. Yeah.
that phrase you just used, cacophony, is a right on, spot on, good choice. Because by 12 minutes, it's like a big wall of sound. You could still hear Fishman and Gordon holding down the low end. Gordon is always easy to hear. Always. Yeah. Uh, the other three, Gordon and Trey, are always easy to hear. Fishman, you could hear his beat, but he's a little more subtle, as you mentioned way earlier mm-hmm. as a player. Uh, then these audience recordings would lend would lead you to think, uh, but he's he's doing all right. But it's really Mike and Fishman holding down the low end where this kind of I'm I'm if the, you're at home you can't you can't see me but I'm just kind of waving my hands in circles. This like big wave of sound, uh, and then about a minute later, Fishman moves to the woodblocks, which is another classic 2000 trademark, and which also has the double whammy of taking away the symbols which leaves more room for Trey and Paige to make more like synthetic noise. Definitely. It becomes sort of a, like a minimalist feel uh, in there for a little while. Um, I think I heard around like 14 minutes and then, but not too long after that, you hear Trey coming in with these chords. You sort of like almost like sort of up, up BD chords, up, up stroke chords. But yeah, you, you know, Mike is, is really present. And again, probably owing more to the recording than to the actual playing pages like, Where's Paige? Did they? It's space <laughs> not there. So yeah. So I mean, I'd love to hear. I kind of would love to hear this jam. You know, with the restored sound, like where there's sound where I can hear everything that's going around, and and kind of like, what is he doing? What's going on here? He's obviously doing something. Not just sitting there, right? Because that's what happened at that Darien Lake show. I went with my brother and a couple of his friends. None of them had been to a fish show before. They didn't really know anything about the band at all. I just pretty much needed a ride. Yeah. And my brother had a car, <laughs> so he was he was down. And they played that 30-minute drown to open the second set. We were all the way at the back of the shed, and it got really boring. I don't yeah. feel bad saying it. It got really boring. You couldn't hear much of what was going on. But then soon after they started the hiatus in 2000, that's when Live Fish got started, the releases. And we got a soundboard recording of that drown, and then it became like graduate-level fish. Absolutely. And I think that that's, that's exactly my point. A lot of those, those first uh, live fish releases, right. Where I think there were like three of the first 10 were from 2000, you know, which might've been like sort of recency bias on their part where they're like, yeah, let's put out some of the recent stuff. Um, but I think you'd get, you'd find a sort of a, a reappraisal of, of, of maybe not of shows or overall quality, but of sp- specific jams. You'd be like, wow, listen to what's going on in that jam now that I can hear it. You know? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And then when we get to about two thirds of the way through a little bit past 18 minutes, the whole band kind of fades pretty low. And it was at this time, I don't want to keep bringing it up, but the, yeah. like how I wondered how the people who were kind of farther away from the speakers were feeling. And mm-hmm. that's what I hear, or that's what I hear in my head, at least when I think fish in 2000, like this kind of, I don't know, this just big glo- like conglomerate of sound yes. that doesn't really travel well. Yeah. I, he, I see what they're doing there. How how are they going to pay this off? What's going to be right. the payoff here? I'm cozy. I'm like I said. I'm comfortable in it. I like it. I enjoy it. But I also am. I'm a little bit like, uh, is it just going to go up, 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 and then song over? Or is there? Are they going to you know find a, a new space? Are they going to break some new ground with it? So well, that's I what think I, they I'm always to. waiting for. 
Yeah. Right. I, they yeah. started to at around 23 minutes. It sounds like it go it could go on forever, but then it starts to fade out and change time signatures. To me, having not heard this before, I thought, all right, I guess we're getting ready to to wind down for good. I mean, right. I have the hindsight, 2020 hindsight, the benefit of having a track listing like the time. I know that it was going to end soon, but mm-hmm. I think that's kind of the musical signal amongst the four of them. All right, let's find somewhere completely different now. Yeah, and I was listening when I was re-listening. I was listening for the first uh, hint of the next song. Again, I know what's coming now. At the yeah. time, I didn't. But I'm listening and I'm going back. I'm like, where am I here? And I can kind of hear Paige, ironically, since you can hardly hear him like throughout the whole song. But you just hear these chords, this descending chord structure that starts to build, starts to feel a little bit familiar. But it takes, it's like like this two minute thing where everybody sort of starts to get on board. It's one of those things I love about fish, you know, that sort of flock of birds things where they're all going in one direction, one peels off this way, and then they all start to do that (laughs) way. You know, after that, there's there's like a two minute period where they're sort of finding their way and then they start to dial it in and they start to, that that group mind starts to, to really work. And that brings us to While My Guitar Gently Weeps, where there is an enormous crowd swell after the first round of lyrics at about two minutes. You can feel it. When I talk about and sometimes complain about audience recordings, uh, where especially in this late 1.0 era where there's so much chatter when the band yeah. gets quiet or is subtle, it it's it, I have to eat my words because it serves the audience recording to hear how excited everyone got after they were done with the first round of lyrics. that's something i remember very very well i you know i don't know if it triggered a glow stick or something you know the the response from the audience just like you know we came through this this massive disease and all these sections and there were parts that were more exciting less exciting but the 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 payoff the gold at the end of that it was just so cathartic and uh, I remember just an energetic response. I remember the crowd exploding. I remember I was out on the lawn for all five of these shows and I remember the, the crowd exploding. And of course I had that, that uh, you know, the added element for me was just, I mean, I grew up like loving the song, loving this album, loving, you know, it was felt like part of me.
and it almost felt like you know in a weird way you know this might this band that i'd come to love recently just love them uh was sort of like on the same wavelength or they um sort of recognized uh the 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 beauty of that song too and so i was uh, you know i was i was elated it was great AJ, thank you so much for coming on to Attendance Bias today to talk about Down With Disease into Wall My Guitar Gently Weeps from July 15th, 2000, and covering a lot of ground in between about the musical style of Fish in 2000, the vibe of the crowd and the scene in 2000, and your history uh, between going to school in Columbus and generally in the Northeast, living in the Northeast, of seeing fish. So I appreciate your time. I appreciate your kind words from the beginning and everything you did uh, to be on the show today. Uh, Brian, it was an absolute pleasure and uh, keep up the good work. Um, It's awesome. And uh, I'll keep listening. And that's it for today's discussion with AJ Masco. Even though we're just over 22 years from today's show, AJ and I didn't have a lot of wrong facts or a lot of wrong figures. We were pretty on point, but still, we got to make sure everything is right with today's Attendance Bias Fact Check. Attendance Bias Fact Check. At the beginning of the episode, AJ threw a lot of glowing compliments at me about this podcast. He said that the first episode of Attendance Bias that he heard was a mini-episode about Wikipaw Groove. That was literally the second episode of this podcast. It was a mini-episode in which I described my experience of the Wikipaw Groove from August 4th, 2015, being sort of a cleansing experience after a very tough start to that year. It's available if you scroll down to the earliest episodes of this show. The Polaris Amphitheater closed after the summer 2007 concert season. Apparently, after its closure, the venue was extensively looted and vandalized, according to Wikipedia. By 2012, the entire structure had been demolished. When talking about the band's explosion in not just popularity, but also as a business, I said that in the context of summer 2000, the band was playing the Beacon Theater just four years earlier. My brain must have skipped a few years because the only time that Fish played the Beacon Theater was in 1994, not 1996. AJ was right about the delay from night one of Polaris, July 14th, 2000. The band opened the show with Sample in a Jar and then had to stay off stage for 26 minutes due to the thunderstorm. When they came back on to continue the set, they opened up with Punch You in the Eye. And that's it for today's episode. I'd like to thank AJ Masco for joining me today, Fish.net for its help with the fact check, and Fish.in for the recording used in today's episode. If you enjoy Attendance Bias, please support the show. Leave a rating and a review of it on your favorite podcast app, and you can follow Attendance Bias on social media, mostly on Instagram and Twitter. And the most important and the most concrete way that you can support Attendance Bias is by going to www.buymeacoffee.com slash Attendance Bias and donating anything you can. Every penny helps. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next week on Attendance Bias. 